Hello, this is Steve from Retro Man Blog, and welcome to this very special edition of Retro Sonic Podcast, where I welcome into our studio Paul Sattery, rock photographer extraordinaire. Hello, Paul. Yeah, how are you doing, Steve? Not bad. It's been a long while. It has, hasn't it? It's been a long so, while. It seems like forever. Old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as regular listeners to the podcast will know, Paul was um, pretty much there very at the very beginning of um, Retro Sonic Podcast. Maybe what over ten years? I think we've been doing it now nine, ten years. Yeah, we've, we've had a break, and uh, things are you know just getting back to normal, really, aren't they? Yeah, just about back to gigging and events, and we've got lots of things to talk about. Um, so thanks, Paul. And um, I thought what we'd do, as it's been a while since we've spoke, um, I've noticed that you've been pretty busy recently um, your photos popping up all over the place and uh, I thought it'd be a good chance to have a chat and catch up with what you've been up to and um, you've um, got some photos featured in Paulie Murray's new autobiography yeah Pauline got in touch recently and asked me if I'd like to contribute some images of her and the band for her new biography Life's a Gamble yeah. and uh, I actually went through all my contact sheets and sent Pauline um, all the scans of my contact sheets I mean it was yeah. a labour of love for me because uh, I loved I loved Penetration and they were <laughs> one of the first bands I became friendly with as a young photographer in 77 yeah, yeah. I mean they were really they were brilliant they had great songs Steve yeah, and yeah, Pauline yeah. Murray was such a brilliant vocalist and, and charismatic front woman yeah I was really happy to uh, to have my pictures included in her in her book yeah yeah I mean that's going to be released in or published in September September the 14th by Omnibus Press. Yeah. It's a gamble. Um, also in, uh, I think, um, Russ Besley, who did who was involved with the Art of Punk book. He's, he's a little bit of a sort of punk historian and author. That's uh, he's right. He's also helping her out with a book or the design of the book. That's right. He's been, uh, Russ Besley uh, has been, uh, did the design of the book. And um, it was great because when I, I sent my pictures to Russ, he sent me back uh, the layout of the pictures, which is which is excellent, and uh, of course, at the same time, I um, I was able to read some of Pauline's writing. Um, I asked Pauline the other day if she'd uh, let me uh, read a little bit out on the podcast. Oh, great. and uh, she said, "Yeah, you can." And um, this is a little a little snippet of uh, Pauline Murray's book, a little exclusive here. She said. My diet consisted of Greg's cheese and onion pasties, sweets and chocolate, Findus cod in butter sauce with Cadbury smash, motorway services junk food, KFC, chips and cigarettes. <laughs> I would sometimes be sick before and after gigs. I was going to bed at four in the morning after travelling back from shows. The singing and performing took a lot of energy out of me. I mean, I'm really looking forward to reading the whole book and to read a woman's perspective of the punk scene. Yeah. Because there aren't that many, are there, Steve? No, you're right. I mean, I think Jordan, um, sadly no longer, another one sadly no longer with us, did a, did a fantastic autobiography um, looking at all that early punk days because obviously he was there right at the beginning, Adam and the Ants and the mm -hmm. Sex Pistols, and that's a really, really good read. 
Yeah. But you're right. Generally speaking, there, there isn't that many. So I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm really looking forward to it as well. And I know our friend Gay, Gay Advert or Gay Black has done a little blurb on the back of the book as well. And she's great friends with Pauline. And I, I, it's just been announced that they're going to be, or Pauline's going to be doing some dates in September. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be like a book tour, so there'll be a Q and A presentation. Um, hopefully, she'll be doing a performance as well. Um, right. Maybe doing some little solo spot. And obviously a book signing. So check out Pauline's um, social media pages. We will put links on retromanblog.com. But at the moment, I think the tour kicks off on September the 10th in Durham and then takes in Manchester, Glasgow, Bristol, London, Portsmouth, Birmingham and Newcastle. So I'm sure Paul will probably be along to the London show with a bit of luck. Yeah, great, great. Looking Um, forward to it. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well, and it's another great band that I don't think gets enough credit. And of course, they're they're, they're still going. They've been they've released some fantastic records recently. Well, I think they were a groundbreaking band. Pauline was a very, as I say, incredibly charismatic singer, and um, her stage presence was wonderful. And uh, you know, I, I remember going to those early gigs, and everybody loved Pauline. But mm. the band was always fantastic, and. Yeah. Um, you know, and their and and their first album, Moving Targets, was it was a classic. I mean, it's still a classic. Mm-hmm. Every song's a winner on that album. There's some mm. beautiful songs like that, but my favourite, uh, which I always look forward to in their set, is Stone Heroes.
another great track and another great record. Physically, we, we, I guess we're sitting here surrounded by all your original vinyl, and that's uh, we've got a glow in the dark vinyl copy of the yeah, album. amazing, isn't it? Yeah, Stone Heroes on glow in the dark vinyl. It's just amazing, isn't it? And plays beautifully. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sounds even better on glow in the dark vinyl. Yeah, brilliant, fantastic, and I, I can't wait. And um, I think last time I saw them was um, strange enough at the Royal Albert Hall at the Pete Shelley Memorial gig, and they were really? they're just they're brilliant. They're, they're still so good. And again, they're another band that still releasing music. I mean, oh, like the last album I think was 2015. You know, really, really good record. You know, and um, I, I think I'm going to play a track if I can now, and just so that we're not all nostalgia. Wow. They're still going. I mean, this is from their 2015 album called Resolution. I'm going to pick my little choice. Um, Beat goes on. See, it's great, and you didn't know about this album, did you? No, I you didn't. It. No, it's the first yeah, time I've yeah. heard that. Oh, great. oh, Resolution. Well, I haven't seen I haven't seen Penetration since 1979, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it goes to show they still sound as fresh as ever. And, well, they do, uh, and, and and just shows that Pauline's still got that extraordinary voice. Yeah, yeah. She's a unique singer, and she's. I mean, she's a brilliant singer. Yeah. She, uh, her voice is, is is extraordinary. Yeah, oh, that's great. And Robert Blamire on the on the bass uh, from the original lineup, and I noticed John Mayer from the Buscocks. Yeah, I think I think the Penetration back in the day, Penetration played with um, the Buscocks quite mm. a bit, and they probably got to know each other quite well. Mm, mm, great. Well, I'm really looking forward to the book. Mm. and also looking forward to going along and seeing Pauline do her Q&A I'm sure we'll both, both be there Paul we'll um, do Excellent. a report back on it yeah hopefully. definitely yeah well we'll both go up and see Pauline yeah great fantastic so I understand you've just got back from France and, and met uh, another one of our favourite musicians over there yeah I spent uh, we spent uh, the first couple of weeks in May in France trying to escape all this coronation stuff you know and uh successfully too and uh, yeah, on the way back we met up with um, an old friend of mine Mona Soyok who was um, part of the uh, French electropunk duo Cas Product yeah um, they were formed in 1980 uh, Mona on guitar and Spats on electronics and rhythm machines yeah and um in 82, I did a, a session for Sounds magazine with uh, Cast Product around the 18th district of Paris. And then later, one of those images were used on the front cover of their album Black et Noir in 1990. And it looks like over the intervening 40 years that that session of photos has become uh, very iconic in France. Yeah, yeah, it's a great photo. And then uh, uh, 2017, um, I was asked to contribute that um, uh, photo of Spats and Mona to the um, exhibition of um, French pop photography curated by the singer Etienne Daho. Daho l'aime pop. Daho loves pop. And the photo's in the book of the exhibition too. I mean, it's really great being in a book which has really iconic images of François Hardy, Serge Gainsbourg, Jane Birkin and Brigitte Bardot and your pictures are in the top 100 of the most iconic photos of <laughs> French musicians. I mean, it's amazing, uh, you know. So, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've been in touch with uh, Mona for 40 years. Um, sadly, back in 2019... Uh, Spats died and Mona called me recently to ask me if she could use some of those images of her and Spats on a new collection called Tribute. And now a French production company is going to use one of my pictures of Mona in a new French feature film called The Queen of Drama in which Mona will star. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because we met Mona, I met Mona when we went to Paris with you once, and she's she's lovely. And well, yeah, she's a lovely really person. thoroughly lovely person. I mean, it's so nice to meet her, and yeah, she's a bit of an icon, isn't she? And um, so she sort of got back with a version of Cast Product, and she's been doing other music in between, but she's sort of doing um, the Cast Product songs again now, live. Well, she it? is. She's got a new band called uh, Cast Product Reload, and they're um, they're doing pretty well. I mean, mm. she so showed me some of the videos. 
There's some of the concerts they did earlier this year. Mm. And she's crowd surfing. Yes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the, the crowd shows so much love. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're, uh, they yeah. are an iconic French band. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's fantastic. Mona's got a new stride in her step. It's, it's great. Mm. You know, she's, she's really happy at the moment and things are going well for her. So it's, so it's really, really good, you know. But great, so yeah, nice that you, you keep in touch with them. And you, I remember you mentioning what you saw the very last night of the Hammersmith Palais. That's before right. it was destroyed this disgustingly by the council. Yeah, back in 2007. She played. And it was, was she support, did. She supported She supported the fall, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got a picture of that night. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the last night of the Hammersmith Palais. My yeah. God, Mona was supporting Mark E. Smith. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, but, it's great, um, great to see your photos in this illustrious company. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's great for Mona, you know, from rock icon to movie star. I mean, that's what I call a great move. Oh, great. We'll look forward to that. We'll have to keep an eye yeah. on the movie. Yeah, and, um, you know, this song I want to play is Feverlust from this year's tribute collection, originally on the 1986 album Ego Eye.
great vocalist, Mona Soyuk, and that's Cast Product. Great track. Oh, another brilliant female singer. Mm, mm. Just she, I mean, she started off as a jazz singer, Mona, and uh, mm. she, uh, when she met Spats, you know, she, her, her singing just took off, and uh, you know, you just listen to all those Cast Product albums, they're all amazing. And her voice just uh, is phenomenal. Just soars above the clouds, really. Yeah. And by coincidence, I was talking about Mona the other day, strangely enough. Um, I went to see Indochine, or how do you say it in French? Indochine. Indochine, yeah. Indochine. <laughs> they were uh, huge in France. Allegedly, yeah, as I was to find out. Um, yeah, I went to see a rare, uh, one of their rare London shows. I think I've only ever played here once before. I don't know if you remember, but... A while back, 2013 to be precise, we went to see a band called Freefall at uh, Dingwall, just down the road from the Roundhouse where Andersheim were, were playing. And if you remember, Freefall were the, the sort of like a Swedish supergroup, you know, with mm. Matthias Ballier from Soundtrack of Our Lives. And on the drums was Ludwig Dahlberg, or Lude, and from International Noise Conspiracy. So, because we knew them from the, obviously, we knew Matthias from Soundtrack of Our Lives, and you'd photograph Soundtrack of Our Lives. Mm. And little would I know that the next time I'd see Lude play live would be at the Roundhouse, just a few steps down the road in Camden with Andoshin, who are absolutely huge in France and Europe and mm. South America. But Ludé, I, I knew that he'd, joined, he'd moved to Paris from Sweden and I knew that he'd um, joined a, quite a popular band, as some of my friends <laughs> told me they're quite popular. But anyway, he kindly invited us along to their show at the Roundhouse. And the show was brilliant. I loved the band. I thought they were fantastic. For right. a big stadium band, they were they sounded great. Mm. Catchy songs, the crowd were immense. And I had a great time. I loved it. Afterwards, I was talking to the guitarist who is from Nancy, which is where we got talking about Mona, because he knew Mona and Cast Product. And um, I thought it was really nice that, that we could have a chat. And they probably started off similar. They're quite an electro new wave outfit. Quite right. similar sounding to early Cast Product. Okay. It was great to see Lede again, and um, talking of his previous band, International Noise Conspiracy, don't forget uh, our two podcasts with his colleagues, um, Dennis, Dennis Lixen, the frontman of um, International Noise Conspiracy, and also uh, we did a great um, a great one with Inge, the bass player of International Noise Conspiracy as well, so check them out, they're both uh, well worth a listen, and hopefully we'll get Lude in um, as a special guest to talk about his uh, how he got to join Andoshin and to go through his uh, musical career as well. And I'm sure that'll be an interesting story. So sticking on your French adventures, um, I think you wanted to play another one of our favourite French bands. I did. I did. You know, I mean, uh, while we're in France, I mean, we've got to really talk about Sharp as the pub rock band from Blois. I, who I saw supporting the Flaming Groovies when they played in Bois in 2015, which I wrote about at the time in Retroman. Mm. I love that gig, and I was blown away by by the Sharpers. I thought Joe Pacman was an astounding guitarist singing English songs with this voice hewn from a gravel pit. And the Sharpers album number four has probably become my favourite driving record of all time. They still play from time to time, and I'm really desperate to see them again. I mean, have a listen to Nobody Knows, and you'll know what I mean.
Guitar, that voice, yeah, fantastic guitar sound. It is, uh, it's just an amazing guitar sound. Mm. It's a very singular guitar sound, mm. and uh, I don't know anybody who plays guitar like that. No, it's great. The sound is superb. I just, I, I just really want to go and see Sharpers do another gig. Yeah, well, I want to go as well because yeah. I know you, <laughs> you, you said how fantastic your time at Blois was, and it sounds like a great town. Well, Blois is a beautiful town on the Loire. Very artsy town, you know, beautiful wine, and uh, what a wonderful place to to visit, you yeah. know. So to visit there, enjoy the artsy town, and to see Sharpers would be like a dream for me. So I can't wait. Joe, do a gig and do a gig sort of late summer, okay? Thank you very much. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. <laughs> well, I'm coming with you. <laughs> good, good, good. So what else have we been up to then, Paul? What's next? There was a band called Empire, which was a short-lived band featuring uh, the ex uh, 
Gen X guitarist Bob Derwood Andrews and drummer Mark Laff. Hmm. And they got in the bassist Simon Burnell. They they released one album, uh, Expensive Sound, on hmm. Dinosaur Records back in 1980, uh, but not finding any commercial success with it. Uh, they split up. Hmm. I mean, I did some photos of the band doing a little promo gig back in the day, and... Um, Recently, I got an email from Bob, and he got in touch asking me if I'd let him have some of those image. He wanted to use some of those image for a cover and uh, the back of the of the album's re-release on Monster Records. Mm. You know, I mean, in in the interim, the uh, the album had become somewhat of a cult album over the last forty years. You know, mm. it's been cited both by John Squire and Johnny Marr, and I think uh, you know it's had some. Influence in the emo scene in in the states, and um, you know Bob lives up in the high California desert these days near the Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was such a great guitarist, wasn't he? With he's uh, a fantastic guitarist, really brilliant guitarist. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I I got a copy. I'd never heard the original record back yeah. in the day. I never got a copy because it was only it wasn't a large record label, mm. and the band split up because they got no. No success with it, with the record, mm. and um, so I never heard the record at the time. But it was it was great getting the um, re-release, and uh, it's a really really good record. Really mm. interesting guitarist, uh, Bob Derwood Andrews, and um, this from the album Expensive Sound. This is all these things.
well as Empire and all these things and uh, another great guitarist we're, we're picking out some good guitarists today I must admit um, that is just a beautiful guitar sound mm-hmm. that, that, it's a very clever and very beautiful and haunting guitar sound mm. uh, and I've uh, since I've got that Bob sent me that record I've really got to love it it's a fantastic record yeah. uh, it really is and um, I love that guitar it's so understated yeah. and with yeah. his laconic voice as well I, yeah. I just think it's a, there's a lot of beauty in this album and I can yeah. see why People have um, cottoned onto this album over mm. the last 40 years, really, and why people like um, Johnny Marr really like it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, because, I mean, again, another slight coincidence is that I, I didn't really know about them at all, to be honest. And when mm. I was a massive Generation Next fan, I mean, they were one of the first bands I saw when I was younger on top of the Pops, and King right. Rocker made a massive influence, or had a big influence on me, that period of mm. Buzzcocks, Skids, Ruts, on top yeah. of the Pops, and seeing Gen X and... I always loved Derwood's guitar. Mm. And the, the interesting thing is, is that um, for me, you know, you, you think about Gen X at the end of their, more towards the end of their career, when they like value the dolls, and it's very overblown, very over the top, the production, the guitar is immense on it. It's a very mm. rocky, rocky guitar. You know, it's full of guitars. Mm. Derwood's going crazy. You know? But this record, Empire, it come, it's it's really stripped back, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's not what you would expect. because It's he's, beautifully recorded. It's raining it in, and it's so... Stripped back, you can mm. really hear like one guitar, a bit of overdubs of the guitar, the bass and the drums, and that's it. Mm. And his guitar playing is really understated on this, which mm. you probably might not think about with Durwood mm. and, and Gen X from people that know later yeah, Gen yeah, X. Yeah. And it's it's a beautiful album. It's, it's really it is very album. haunting. I mean, that's a very haunting and beautiful record. Mm. And, uh, I think uh, it uh, it's it's a record really worth getting into. Uh, mm. Expensive sound. Uh, mm. By Empire, check it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I hadn't heard. I, again, the coincidence was that I doing my podcast with Dennis Lixen of um, International Noise Conspiracy. He was talking about his new band, Fake Names, who are like a supergroup mm. of all his favourite musicians. Really, like hardcore punk, Washington DC scene. You know, I mean, the Fake Names have got Brian Baker who was in Minor Threat and Bad Religion. Michael Hampton was in SOA and Embrace. Johnny Temple, Girls Against Boys, and Brendan Cantian was in Fugazi. So and then one interesting thing was that they, apparently, along with the Ruts, strangely enough, the Ruts and in, an Empire had a big influence on that scene. And you can hear it maybe in Fugazi's music, you know. Mm. But it wasn't something I was expecting, because when you hear it, you think, it's not hardcore punk at all, mm. it's really... But apparently it had such a big influence on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was really intrigued. So that after the after the chat with Dennis, I checked out Empire, and then I remember talking to you about it. And by chance, you just said, "Yeah, I've got my pictures on the front of the album." <laughs> I know. I know. Like, Bloody hell! I'd never never heard about it. Well, I tell you what, you know, I mean, I'm I'm really chuffed getting my pictures on this album. It's a beautiful album, and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, fair play to Bob, and thanks very much for releasing it. Yeah, great. We'll definitely check it out. You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great album, you know, and uh, deserves it of its sort of cult status, and it should be more than a cult. Definitely. So, what's next, Paul? Well, you know, I was talking about how Johnny Marr loved uh, this record, um, Expensive Sounds, and uh, Johnny, of course, uh, you know, consummate guitarist that he is, he's uh, he's releasing a new book, Mars Guitars, which <laughs> uh, features my photograph of him 
leaning over his Incase Gibson ES355. Um, a picture which I took uh, back at the University of East Anglia in 1984. Um, Johnny must... <laughs> I think Johnny must like my Smith's images. As uh, I remember after the gig at Glastonbury that same year, I gave him a load of photos when I visited him a few times at his flat in Earl's Court. The next thing I knew, I went round to see him, and he gave me this um, this album. And on the front it said, Hat Full of Hollow. And in, I opened it up inside, it had a gatefold sleeve, and there was my picture of the band mm. in the porter cabin at Glastonbury. I said, oh, yeah. me." He said, yeah, we've used your picture on the inside sleeve of the album. Yeah, yeah. I went, I couldn't believe it. Well, it's a great, it's a great cover, isn't it? That? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hat Full of Hollow is a, is a great album. It's just a combination of their sessions. Oh, and it's music. BBC sessions yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really great album. And... Um, you know, I was, of course, absolutely gutted to hear that Andy Rourke has just died recently after a, a, a long illness. And um, he was such a... I remember meeting him in 83 and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with the Smiths. Of course, I did a book about the Smiths, the Smiths, the early years. And uh, Andy many times, and he was a lovely bloke and just... What a great bass player. I mean, mm. his bass lines, along with Mike, Mike Joyce's superb drum, anchored every Smith song. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the three of them, you know, the three of them, you know, Mike, Andy and Johnny with, a, with this trio, this solid trio that gave the floppy Morrissey his space in the middle, right? Mm. Yeah, but but, I mean, Andy was a, a really... A, beautiful bass player and a lovely bloke and um, I've got to play Girl Afraid.
never pays And everything she wants costs money But she doesn't even like me And I know because she said so that track it's um and I, I love this versions on Hatful of hollow i'd probably play that album more than the the rest of their me too to be honest because all those takes are mostly one take yeah and that's a beautiful version of girl afraid and uh that bass riff mm. of andy rourke is just wonderful yeah and i'm sure that's what he'll want to be remembered for being a really beautiful bass player and yeah. that's that's what it was and looking at all the tributes from people seem to be a thoroughly nice guy as well. And um, yeah, I know um, you, you knew them knew them well. And uh, we well, did a little trip I, around Paris, didn't we? You took me around all the sites of where you did right. your photo session. And uh, I remember him very fondly. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, well, don't forget. You know, you can see some of your fantastic photos of the Smiths in your book, The Early Years, which is mm-hmm. still available. Is it on sold out? Reprinted? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably person. maybe it's time to reprint it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. And obviously, anyone that's followed your career or followed our interviews with you on Retrosonic Podcast will know you spent a lot of time photographing some legendary Manchester bands as well as the Smiths. I and, did. Um, I did. I photographed a lot of bands from Manchester. Strangely enough, being a Londoner, but I photographed The Fall, The Smiths, The Stone Roses, Oasis, Jilted John, uh, The Distractions, <laughs> yeah. um, and of course Joy Division. Mm. And uh, I photographed Joy Division for a Sounds magazine in July in 1979, not on the streets of Manchester, but on the streets of Stockport, mm. right around where Strawberry Studios were. Yeah. and uh, when they were recording Unknown Pleasures. And then um, uh, a few years ago, I think two, th- five years ago, I was asked if I wanted to have any of those images uh, in, uh, in an exhibition about Strawberry Studios in the Stockport Museum. Peter Wadsworth asked me if, if, I, would, um, if I wanted to have my pictures in there, uh, in, in that exhibition, and then they've ended up on permanent display in the Stockport Museum now, mm. yeah, yeah. which is great. And then I did a talk up in Stockport in 2017 about the session with Joy Division and other Manchester bands. And uh, uh, then I did my uh, book launch of my book, um, Joy Division at Strawberry Studios. Uh, I did the book launch at the Stockport Museum in July 2019. Yeah. So John and Rosemary Barrett, who arranged the first talk, have invited me back to Stockport to do another talk mm. on the 28th of July as a sequel to the Stockport Music Map walking tour that day. Mm. Uh, it'll be in the afternoon at the Syndicate venue. Mm, okay. And there are still some tickets available, and uh, I've got the details here. Yep. And we could, we'll put them up on the blog, Steve, eh? Yeah, apparently there's only about nine tickets left, so I think uh, people are better get in there quick. Right. Um, if they want to go along to this talk, it looks great. So, yeah, I'll definitely put links up to that. And, of course, you, your book, 
um, still available, I think. Yeah, my book's still available. We've got extra copies going up to that talk, and I shall be able to... uh, They'll they'll all be signed by me. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Joy Division of Strawberry Studios, pictures on the streets of Stockport, pictures at the Stuff the Superstars gig later on in the evening as well. Yeah, great. And then don't forget, we did a podcast with you specifically about your work with Joy Division and where Lee McFadden of Cult Figures and Alternative TV interviewed you because he's a huge fan of Joy Division. So he interviewed you along with me for th- about your um, time with Joy Division and that's still available at the Retrosonic Podcast Archive as well. Yes, everything's on the Retroman site. My uh, visits to... Um uh, both my visits to Stockport, my book mm. launch and my original talk, they're all up on uh, up on the podcast. But um, in 1980, I got my hands on this amazing uh, single called Licht und Blindheit, produced by the French label Sordid Sentimental in March 1980 in limited edition of 1,578 copies. <laughs> Mine's 619. I've still got it. And from that EP, this is Dead Souls.
well, that was amazing, wasn't it? And I was lucky enough to hold in my hands that limited edition 7-inch single, which I've looked on Discogs, and uh, I'm, I'm still shaking at the cost of it. So I put it down very safely. <laughs> well, that was Dead Souls from the Licht and Blindheit yeah. original yeah. record. And uh, it still sounds fantastic. Amazing. You know, and uh, it's... Probably the most expensive record I've ever played, but I mean you can't stop playing records just because they're <laughs> worth two thousand quid, Steve. <laughs> wow! Yeah, um, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it I'm, is I'm, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Christ, I've never. I've, well, I've never seen that before. No, I know. I, I don't think I've ever seen one of yours before either. But uh, yeah, it's a historic artifact. Now, it is it? a historic artifact, and um, it's an amazing artifact, and it, it saddens me in a way because Ian Curtis died only two months after I got that record. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I mean, which is which is really sad. Yeah. I thought Joy Division were just about to take off, and then Ian died. It was very sad. He was he was a very nice person, Ian. Mm. I met him a couple of times. He was a lovely bloke, and uh, uh, obviously he was a troubled person. Mm. Uh, but uh, his music lives on. Yeah, we'll put a link up to your Stockport Music Map Walk. Mm. And uh, so there's a few tickets left, I think. Uh, I don't know if they, yeah. they said they might, if, if there's a demand, they might release some more tickets. But yeah. uh, but check it out. And um, I might even consider going up to that as well. I might join mm. you on that. Mm. That's great. So, Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. I've just received this... Uh, New book in the post last week about the um, anarcho-punk band, the Subhumans. Silence is no reaction. Mm. 40 years of the Subhumans, uh, written by Ian Glasper and published by PM Press. I mean, it's a massive time, Steve, Mm. around 600 pages. And it's just packed full of anecdotes by the band and people who'd known them and worked with them, along with handwritten lyrics and posters and the full gig history of the band. Yeah. Uh, and it also contains half a dozen photos of mine from the session I did with them in Warminster mm. for Sounds magazine in 1980. And I've been reading the book over the last few days. And, yeah, I must admit, I have to agree politically with everything Dick says in the book about the vilification of immigrants, especially by this government, about the stinking Brexit brought about by a few Eden-educated liars harking back to some bullshit flag-waving version of this country that's never existed. Mm. I mean, I'm the son and great-grandson of immigrants. They should all be given work permits when they arrive here. They're like the hidden jewels. Who knows what riches they'll bring to this country. I mean, I say bring them on. I mean, it's obviously been a massive labour of love for writer Ian Glasper. And I hope he's really happy with the finished product. And fair play to PM Press for putting out such a wonderful book about such an amazing band. Mm. You know, they're they're a truly global band, the the Subhumans. They've played across four continents for the last 40 years. They're huge in the USA. And the very European band, of course, Trotsky the drummer now lives in Germany. And Phil Bryant, the bassist, lives in Spain. I mean, and and a very, very influential band. Uh, Their first album, The Day the Country Died, from 1983, uh, is considered a classic in the anarcho-punk genre, and they've released five more studio albums since. 
the most recent being Crisis Point in 2019. Yeah, because they're still there, sort of going, still, still playing. Yeah, still mm-hmm. playing. I mean, uh, they're still uh, as uh, critical as ever of, uh, especially this continually repressive government. And um, this song is Dick's take on the new police powers and how even protest is being criminalised. This is Terrorist in Waiting from the album Crisis Point. Uh, subhumans with terrorists in waiting from Crisis Point, and that's actually a recent album, isn't it? That's yeah, 2019. Doesn't that blow you away? Christ, I mean, they haven't lost any of their sort of fire and no. vitriol, have they? You know, no, they haven't. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Mm. They haven't, and uh, it's great. They've become probably more vitriolic than ever as, yeah. as the government has become more repressive. They've become more vitriolic, and it's. Mm. I, I'm just so heartened that there's a band like that who's willing to take a stand mm. and actually 
um, they become incredibly popular in the United States mm, yeah. um, with with uh, and in Australia and New Zealand too. I mean, it's it's incredible. Like, yeah. uh, and Europe, absolutely fantastic. And uh, you know, I, you, I've been reading the book, and um, you know, politically, I, yeah, as I said, I'm I'm very much on their wavelength. And um, but Dick is a very thoughtful person, and they you know they they explain in the book about the way they. Their merchandising works, and they don't want to make it too expensive. And the things that they they want to merchandise it's very it's a really interesting read. And mm. um, uh, I hope um, people who want to know about this scene will read this book because I think it's you know an in- there's a lot of interviews of the band, a lot of interviews of the people around that scene. It's almost like Ian Glasper has written. The Bible of Anarcho Punk and Fair Play to him. I think it's a brilliant book, Ian, and I think you should be really proud of it. It's so great that they, they as I said, we have they haven't lost that that fire in their belly, you know. And uh, good luck to them. And, but I'm, I, you know, I'm 73, and I think that they sound better than ever. Mm. Well, I mean, God, I go to one of their gigs. Yeah, shall we go? Definitely. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Come on, relive our youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's to the subhumans. Great. And now we're going over to to Germany. Yeah, we're going out to Germany because uh, as a young photographer in the 80s, I roamed Europe photographing bands all over the place. I mean, bands of freedom to go where they wanted. They could just pack up all their gear and their merch in the van and off they went. That's all been screwed by Brexit completely. It's destroyed some of the young bands here in uh, going to Europe. It's been a disaster. I mean, I, I was able... I hung out in Berlin, Dusseldorf, Cologne. and had quite a lovable affair with uh, Neue Deutsche Welle, the new German wave. I mean, I'm a German speaker, which obviously helps. And, um, you know, I listened to and met bands like Abwehrs, Exmal Deutschland, Fehlfarben, DAF, Geisterfahrer, Palais Schomburg... I've always loved Monarchy and Alltag, Monarchy and Everyday Life, uh, the album by Fellfarben from 1980. And, uh, you know, it's been recognised as one of the most important and groundbreaking records in the German language. Really fantastic record. I mean, not a lot of people know much about the Neue Deutsche Welle, but this was the first time German bands really started singing their own language. And there were some wonderful records created in the 80s. And uh, this is Gott sei Dank nicht in England from that album. It's about changing reality to suit yourself. Du bleibst allein 
Gott sei Dank nicht in England by Phil Farben. When reality overtakes you, you have no friends, not even alcohol. You are away from home, your world collapses. This is the end. You're alone. Just sums up this country outside the EU. This is the end. You are alone. <laughs> It is. It's a kind of a presage yeah, of yeah, 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 what yeah. was going to happen yeah, that's true. 35 years later. It's so sad. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, it's another one of our usual Brexit-busting episodes, isn't it? You know, right. International yeah. music. We're not cowed by any borders musically, and that's why... Um, and it's such a shame, recently, as we said, because so many bands are skipping out on the UK now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you know... You have to console yourself sometimes, and uh, pretty well all during the 90s, I used to console myself every so often with a head coach gig, mm. either at the Boston Arms, the Dublin Castle, the Monarch, the Falcon, but mostly the Wild West Room at the St. John's Tavern. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Billy Childish, your favourite? Absolutely. It was like a home away from home, and you'd meet fellow head coach fans. The gigs are always great. For someone who was told he couldn't play guitar... Billy Childish, you know, plays the thing extremely well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Billy, I mean, you've seen him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's more than a nod to Link Ray there. Oh, definitely. And, of course, you know, back in the day, Billy put out two of Link's albums uh, on his own Hangman Records yeah. in the early 90s, the uh, Jack the Ripper and uh, the Swan demos. I mean, I took loads of photos of the band back then, just for myself. The band were far too garagey to be featured in Q Select or Mojo or ever to be offered to do a few numbers to liven up the exceedingly boring later. Mm, mm. I mean, but at least I've made a few quid getting my photographs of some of their records. The first one being Heavens to Murgatroyd, released by Sub Pop in 1990 with my pick on the back cover mm. taken in Camden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, cause it's hard to believe that they're on sub pop at one point. On the I know, I know, I know, and um, you know, I mean, as I say, all those early gigs are all around Camden. Yeah, you know, and I just happened to get them one afternoon on Camden Lock and did this session uh, with Bruce Billy and uh, Johnny. It was fantastic. You know, it's a classic, iconic session of them thirty odd years ago. Pictures still being used. You know. And because But, they have just released a, they have released a record on Damaged Goods, they've they've got back together, haven't they? Released a single. That's right. They've just released a single and an album, I think, yeah. on on Damaged. Yeah. And, they did, and they did a, another single with um, Downliner Sect as well. That's right. Well, I think that's what how it started because I think mm. they started to do they they were doing the single with Downliner Sect, you know, before mm. before Don died, mm. and then after that because they were together. Billy said, well, let's just do a head coach album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that's what they did, you know. So, uh, but um, 
that Heavens to Murgatroyd album now. Billy is now going to release this album through Damaged Goods and he's going to use one of my live picks of the band at the Falcon in Camden in 1991 oh, on the front cover. Fantastic. They look like young men and one <laughs> of the Camden sessions from 1990 on the back. You oh, know? Great. Oh, I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good old Damaged Goods. Um, yeah, I mean, we've done our podcast where we both went down to interview Billy Childish down in, yeah. in the studio, down in, uh, in the That's Medway. That's right. And we've also done, together we both interviewed Ian from Damaged Goods and they're, yeah. they're really fascinating. We actually do two episodes because he talks so much and he's yeah, got so much right. music to talk yeah, to play. Yeah, we yeah. had to do two episodes. So um, check those out in the Retrosonic Podcast Archive. Yeah, yeah well, fantastic. I, I want to say a big thanks to Billy and Ian Ballard at Damaged Goods. Yeah, definitely from me too. Uh, fantastic. So thanks very much, Paul. Great talking to you as always. And I'm sure we'll be back together again a bit sooner and uh, don't forget everybody to check out retromanblog.com where I put links to all the subjects we've talked about where you can get tickets to Paul's talk up in Stockport to the Joy Division talk uh, where you can buy all this lovely music and also the books that we've um, mentioned so please check out the blog and so to play us out Paul I think we should play the head coach We're Gone (laughs) 